Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dibbly Dobblers Cricket Podcast. <laughs> What's so funny? I really don't know. <laughs> we're we're going to keep rolling with this though. You're always moaning that I take more than one take, so I went I proper serious. You did, and that was what caught me because you weren't serious about three seconds beforehand. <laughs> what can I say? I can just, I'm like an actor. Skills, mate. You know, just... Skills that pay the bills. Uh, oh, they pay any bills. There's no bill paying going on from this podcast at all. Not sure there's anyone listening or especially watching. Gary listens. Gary. What a lad, Gary. Yeah. Superstar. Indeed. Uh, the, the views on the YouTube channel aren't supreme. So no, they're me. <laughs> and me going back. What do we say on that again? <laughs> Ah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Get there, mate. When we get some big superstar in, it'll be all good. Indeed, yeah. We'll be like Glenrothes Cricket Club and just be like, oh, we've got Shri Sand coming <laughs> in, boys. Get the Let's PR on the go. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Reach out to Shri, Th- Shri Sand's representatives. I <laughs> know, oh, the BCCI would come in and be like, no, sorry, mate. Putting an objection in them. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we've done it again. We've not said who we are. So we've I not. am your host, Callum. And as always, I'm joined by my secondary host, stroke producer, stroke director, stroke... Dinner lady, lady. you've not done that one yet. Yeah. Stroke... Whatever. Or just anything. Yeah. Roadie. Did you not put my name at the end of it yet, though? <laughs> no, I'm just thinking more <laughs> things to add. And it's Andrew, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> Yeah. See, but you're laughing. You caused the names to not be included this time. I know, but I did put them up on the screen because I'm a professional profe- professional producer. Well, so there yeah. you go. At least you're doing something right. Yeah, so the YouTube so one folk. thing in this podcast has gone right. It's more successful <laughs> than normal. Excellent. Uh, yeah, anyway, what's coming up tonight or today? Or tonight. Whatever. It's, it's tonight on the <laughs> Dibbly Dobblers podcast. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I think to start off with, seeing as we are Scottish cricket fans, we felt it appropriate this week to speak about something Scotland, even yeah. though we're in January, which is quite surprising. I know, January cricket in Scotland, it's usually inside. But... I know. Oh, we're talking about the indoors. Ah, well, Kim, won one, lost one, it wasn't, oh, not that. No, nah, it wasn't great this week, was it? It wasn't. It was... uh, we were battling out for who was the worst bowler. <laughs> My first over was hilarious in how bad it was. I think I bowled what three balls that bounced twice. Oh, at least <laughs> and you got you got away with some of them as well. I got a wicket from one of them. <laughs> Batsman was fuming. So would I be? <laughs> it was hilarious. You were fuming for all sorts of other reasons, but we'll not go into that on this podcast. Anyway, yes, Scottish teams. We've got some uh, some Scottish representative teams in action over the next few weeks. In tournament play, yes. Indeed. So we'll start what with the under-19 men's side, who are out in the Caribbean for the 50-over World Cup, the under-19s World under, Cup. Under, yep, under-19. So they were drafted in as a replacement for New Zealand, who weren't allowed to travel due yep. to restrictions. Um so, yeah, kind of got a bit of good luck, but, um, you know, you just have to take these chances. Yeah, I mean, there was obviously the disappointment of the qualifying campaign, which we spoke about at the time. Yeah. Um, started off well in it, if memory serves correctly, and then it was sort of the crunch game with Ireland where it just all went to pot. Yeah, and that's ultimate. I mean, I suppose that's kind of where Scotland and Ireland's under-19s are at, that they're kind of head-to-head. It's pretty much... 
the way current qualifying seems to work, it's going to be a shootout between Scotland and Ireland. Um, yeah. So unless something changes, that's going to carry on. So we are a bit unfortunate, and you probably do look at some of the other teams, okay, not that are in, a, in Scotland's group, but you probably go, well, Scotland would fancy themselves to be a better side than perhaps some of them, like, say, your Canada's and things like that. Uh, Uganda's. Oh, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> comfortably beat them in the warm-up. Yeah. I did see someone on Twitter, a Ugandan cricket fan, who, it, they took it quite seriously. It was like a warm-up game, and it was, they called themselves the Baby Cranes. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming the Cranes are what their full team's called. And it was like, oh, we're going to go and destroy Scotland. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And they very much didn't. <laughs> I know, and it was like, so firstly, you've now got egg on your face. <laughs> and secondly, it's a warm-up to the under-19s World Cup. Whoever you are, calm down. Yeah. Um, I think when the proper stuff does kick off, um, I think our boys will be in for a bit of a tough time they got a group with sri lanka the west indies and australia so yeah i um, mean australia are notoriously just strong yeah um, throughout the age groups and yeah yeah um the hosts in the west you know they've got the host nation there and sri lanka who at the end of the last at the end of 2021 made the final of the asia under 19 cup I think is how they or yeah. Asia Cup under nineteens. I'm not sure which way around it goes, but um or maybe under nineteen Asia Cup. One of them. Which do you think it'll it be is? one of them? It'll be one of them. The which under one? Asia nineteens cup. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that just like silly. Middle Earth creatures <laughs> playing yeah. Frodo and his pals. Yeah. Them against the orcs. <laughs> <laughs> A hobbit, you'd be like bouncing <laughs> it over their head all the time. <laughs> no ball, every ball. <laughs> Bold, Just be like bowling to me. <laughs> Bold a half volley. That's one for the other pal. <laughs> oh dear. So right. anyway, but yeah, so I think Scotland are probably going to be in for a tough time. I think in reality, yeah, it's they're not probably going to lose three games. But it's an experience for those boys to go out and experience the tournament. Um, experience those conditions and have that time together as a squad as well so hopefully they can take yeah because good I think, learnings from it i think to touch on like we said about sri lanka in the under 19 asia cup like they've got the asia cup which certainly in the under 19 variation of it there's eight teams mm. so there's the five full nations and then q8 um uae and nepal were also playing it. right yeah so you've got associates who okay they've only played three games but they've played three games against top standard opposition um to be honest that's something that scotland don't seem to have we see games of scotland against like durham academy or maybe some of the other you know yeah northern counties academies and i think that's something for the under 19s that seems to be a bit lacking for scotland is that we don't seem to be playing against the better you know we i tried to have a look back and certainly went back a few years i can't see the last time that scotland under 19s played england under 19s you know yeah which you would you would think as particularly age group you would surely they could organize a one day game yeah, most years well because england had a they had a tri-nation tournament but an ireland academy were invited but bangladesh with the third and you sort of almost go well you know, Asia are managing to put on an eight-team tournament 
you're yeah. not telling me that in Europe we can't have you know Scotland, Ireland, England, and the Netherlands. Yeah. Who are okay? England are obviously well ahead of the the other three, but the other three are all have generally been a similar level over the years. So it seems you know that maybe seems to a pointer that that could be good, and it's maybe something that England could. I mean, to be honest, even if England put in an under 19s A team, like <laughs> they would probably still be quite competitive and something quite good for these other nations. Yeah, definitely. Because I think we have a bit of a reliance on. It's been a number of Scottish under 19 players go to Durham. Seems to you know has got good ties with Scotland certainly in recent years. Um, Tom McIntosh in the current squad, he's playing yep. down at Durham, um, and. But it seems to be a bit of a reliance on almost counties providing our younger players' development. And that you kind of think it's, it's obviously not easy because you need to get England to agree to play these games. But yeah. maybe good to see if Cricket Scotland can try and develop um, these sort of ties at an earlier level. Because if you're not playing early on, it's hard to then step up. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely be worthwhile them having a a more sort of full-on schedule for the, the 19s that maybe isn't in place at the moment. Yeah, so um, if you can put that down as a point, um, you know, action plan for you to get in touch with Cricket <laughs> Is that right? Good. Get, get on to them, yeah. Get on to them. I'll uh, note that down. Cheers. <laughs> Invisible ink you got there. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that kind of that sums up the where the 19s are at. Hopefully... Um, they go well and um, can maybe spring a surprise, but um, it, as I said, it's, it's going to be yes. a tough campaign for There's them. There's no pressure though either. Absolutely, Everyone expects yeah. them to lose, so whatever whatever positives they have are you know are a positive. Yeah, so exactly. They're in a, yeah. a good position in that front at least. Yeah. So on to our ladies' team. Indeed. Um, um, so they're out in Malaysia, um, playing the Commonwealth Games T20 qualifier, I believe is what it's called. Yep. So I'm not going to go through all the options of how that could be. <laughs> Commonwealth T20 Games qualifier. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> too many words. Uh, go old school. Call it 2020 rather than T20. Oh, my God. <laughs> I like Alan Stanford Camden. Uh, yeah, so they are uh, up against Bangladesh, Kenya, Malaysia, and Sri Lanka yep. uh, for one spot at the Commonwealth Games, which take place in Birmingham in the summer. Yeah. And you're going, I believe, aren't you? I am, and I am going to see whoever qualifies in this tournament play England. So I'm trying to hope that Scotland are going to qualify and I've booked the England-Scotland game. But if not, I'm sure it'll still be good. But um, yeah, so I, I think there should be a bit more positivity about this one than what we've got against for the for the younger guys. Um, it's an interesting one when you look at it um, there's obviously three Asian teams uh, yep. in there. All the games are happening on the one ground, certainly. I'm assuming it will be, you know, a couple of days on one wicket, a couple of days on another wicket. So yeah, we think so. To what we saw in the European... What's the thought? Is it a round robin? Yeah. 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 So it's one group of five, and top of the group goes through. There's no finals or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, so Bangladesh have got a reasonable bowling attack um, and spin bowlers so you kind of fancy that they're probably going to be quite probably the most dangerous team of the ball 
especially in the conditions. Yeah. Um, Sri Lanka, they've got. I'm gonna have to look at, at our first name because um, you know, Sri Lankan first names are not notoriously the most easily pronounced for us Brits. Um, it's Atapatu. Uh, that's annoying. Isn't it? Chamaria. Chamari Atapatu. So she's probably the big. Well, I was going to say she's the biggest batsman there, but we'll come on to that. But biggest she, batter there, Callum. Oh, batter. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly not batsman. But um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> so yes. Uh, now you've thrown me off. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Sri Lanka are probably a little bit more of a threat with the bat, perhaps. Yep. Um, but we have Catherine Bryce. And our sister's not bad either. Well, no. I mean, I think I think looking at the rankings, Atapatu is the only player mm-hmm. at the tournament. She sits between the two Bryce sisters. Yeah. And that's it. And actually, when you then go down the list, it's not. It's quite a long way before you start getting to other players that are involved yeah. in this tournament. I think the big problem, I think from a batting standpoint, Scotland, they're in... You know, in a territory that it's not the most suited to their batting or yeah. what they're used to playing in. Although, yeah, absolutely. Although Lamanca was god awful, so and I mean they came out of that well, so so that's true. But I think it's with the ball is perhaps we you know we've kind of got sort of medium pacers and you know we're not going to slag off the medium pacer. Love a diddly dobbler, but <laughs> I, I I reckon on a a Malaysian pitch that's going to get a fair amount of usage. I'm not sure that's going to be the most suited bowling. So I think, unfortunately, that's maybe where we could see. Yeah, where the conditions go against us um, in that one. But it's a squad that go into, they go into high on confidence after um, their performance in the the global qualifiers in Spain at the back end of last year. Um, So, yeah, they'll go into that competition with full belief in their abilities and hopefully they can they can do a job and get through it. And actually, unlike the under-19s, they've actually played more cricket than the Bangladeshi women and Sri Lankan women. So yes. That's, that is one advantage that they've got. At Sri Lanka in particular, in recent times, their, their women have played very few, certainly T20s. So that's maybe another thing. They're coming in better prepped, a better team unit. So fingers crossed, and I'll be getting to go down and see England v Scotland in Birmingham. Yeah, hopefully. Cool. Right, so, um, yeah, best of luck to both of the, the Scotland teams in action over the next uh, few weeks. Um, and we will move on. Obviously, a common uh, fixture in our chats at the moment is the Ashes. We're not going to go into very much detail at all. England are rubbish. This week. Yeah. Um, Although, well done, Johnny Bairstow. Well done, Johnny Bairstow, on an outstanding turn, yep. uh, particularly after picking up that injury. Yep. Um, Josh Butler's away home, which excellent. No one can complain about. Um, and Usman Khawaja, what a test match for Australia he had. Like, um, but, but we're yeah, just, we weren't going to talk about it. We weren't. No, that, that was <laughs> that's, that's a quick summary. We're just going to go through uh, the, the standings in terms of the leading wicket takers and leading run scorers, because obviously we made some predictions. Um, I had Hazelwood as the 
leading wicket-taker, which isn't going to happen. Root as a leading run scorer, maybe. You had Robinson as a leading wicket-taker, which isn't going to happen. And you had Marnus Labuschagne as the leading run scorer in the series. So let's do wicket-takers first, and we'll bring that up onto the screen for those of you watching on YouTube. Nathan Lyon now leads the way with 16 wickets. Uh, an average of 23.56 because Mitchell Stark has gone off the boil a little bit in terms ah, of pink ball test coming up Mitch- Mitchell's yes that. yeah probably but well, well I like the <coughs> at least uh, I suppose the impressive entry in the, the top five the top five are all Australian bowlers you've got Lyon Stark Boland Cummins and Green Boland's obviously only played two test matches yep he's taken 14 wickets at an astronomical average of 8.64 I'm still not convinced he's that good, but anyway, <laughs> time will tell. Yeah, but I mean, he doesn't doesn't need to be. <laughs> Whatever he's doing is working. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's bowling to England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, Mitchell Stark is good. Pat Cummins is good, and they're both averaging around about three times as much as him. Yeah, I know, but yeah. I still can't help. I'm not saying he's a bad bowler. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's a bad bowler. You. You know, one test match, fair enough, you go, well, it's luck. A second, less so. But I do think there is a large element of when you've got four other guys applying serious amounts of pressure, it helps. Yes, and I mean, the reality is that the guy hasn't got into the test team until the age of 32. Yeah. Um, So There's reasons for that. Yeah. So it's, look, don't get me wrong, he's doing well. I think it seems to be there's a fitness test ahead of the, the last test as to whether he'll play or not. Um, I don't think I think if he's fit, he has to play. You, you yeah, you can't you can't up with those stats. Yeah. Not, but do I think in the Ashes series in England we will see Scott Boland there? Not a chance. No, I think you're probably probably right uh, on that one. Um, we'll move on to the run scorers. Um, Usman Khawaja after one test matches one test match vaults into the top five. He's got two hundred thirty eight runs. At an average of 238. <laughs> uh, Travis Head missed the last test, um, but he's still there. Uh, 248 is 62. Dave Warner, 273 of 45 and a half. Um, top three are, are fairly close, actually, because he's only four runs behind Joe Root, who's got 277 at an average of 34.62. So it must be pointed out that he has had a lot more innings to bat than the Australian guys. Yeah. Um, a lot more pressure on his shoulders, though. You'd also argue. Cause... Yes, he could do with get. He could do with stopping getting caught in the slips. I mean, Aye, it, the wafting outside off stump, but it's a bit village. Yeah, so. it's, it's um, and a, it seems to be a common trait at the moment. He does which... have village on the back of his bat, though, does he not? Or is that does he... Stokes or someone? One he, of them does. He may well do. Um, and then leading the way is. Callum's pick, uh, Marnus Labuschagne, who's got 286 runs at an average of 47.66. But it's not had the greatest last couple of test matches. Started off well. He's the worst appealer in the world. I mean, did you see the one he appealed for from, like, cover? And like, <laughs> he's, like, missed everything. Everyone else is walking back to the mark and Marnus is up, being at Laldi. <laughs> so... Um, no, I didn't see that one, but I have noticed uh, one of the Australian guys that are on BT's commentary. Every time there is a mention of a review, it's don't ask Marnus. He thinks everything's oh, out. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he's like a kid in a toy shop when yeah. he's playing cricket. 
Wow. Could you imagine Manus Labuschagne and Stuart Broad being the DRS sort of think tank oh in love. a team? <laughs> what, with <laughs> Shane Watson while he's batting? <laughs> You'd never have any reviews left. Yeah. All reviews gone in the first over. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think probably an advantage for Marnus is we're going back to the pink ball test. Um, in quite... It's not quite British conditions, but it's probably... The mo- well, it's the furthest south you're going to get in Australia. Yeah. Um, um, and yeah, so it's probably, su- he's obviously scored a lot of runs in England. Um, so yeah, I'd probably, I'd be surprised if he just fades away. Um, yeah, it just kind of worries me for England because you kind of got, yeah, you know, Marnus having a quiet time of it and then all of a sudden Kawaja just comes steaming in. Steve Smith still has yet to really have a big innings. Um, yeah, he's averaging the least of the the Australian batsmen with an awful average of, what, 36 or something. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's sure, second best player in the English team or something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> it's, it'll be an interesting one, I'll hope. About. And, uh, the th- I think the thing that's interesting from the point of view of who's going to finish top of these shots, it's still all to play for. Like, it's, yes, uh, it is. Anyone of, well... Not even in the top five, there are someone else could come in and have a big test and yeah, nobody's got that there. many. You know, there's not yeah. somebody who's got like five hundred runs in the series. Yeah, um, I mean, realistically, probably Joe Root was the only one likely to do that due to the nature of the fact that Australians haven't had to bat very often. But yeah, um, I suppose if Joe Root had done that, maybe they would have had to bat more. But um, yeah, I, I. So, what's your predictions for? You know, we're at test end of test four, heading into test five. I'm sticking with my guy. I, I think Joe Root is <laughs> in the last the last test. I think he's going to get. I just said Root. <laughs> you weren't sticking with Hazelwood. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're on the subject of batsmen. So um, yeah, I'm going to stick with Root for to finish with the uh, the leading bat, the leading uh, run scorer. I think he's going to get this monkey off the monkey off his back in this last test and finally get that ton in Australia. I hope so. I hope so for him because he's had to endure a lot, um, you know, poor team and things. So it'd be good to see. I'm going to stick with Marnus, but what about with the ball? What, what you? you I Hazelwood is gone. Yeah, so. I think if if Boland is fit, I think he's going to. I don't know. I just something about me thinks that um, something about the way he's bowling as well thinks is going to suit the pink ball too, mm-hmm. um, and he seems to have a hold over the English batsman at the moment. Yeah, there is that psychological thing, but I think the other person who's got that psychological thing is Mitchell Stark. He's just yeah. so good. So um Yeah, and there's only one wicket between the two of them in the standings. So, so yeah, I am gonna go with I'm gonna go Stark, um, even though I had Cummings, but um Oh well, I had Cummings as Australia's leading with taking a, a Robinson, which I suppose it could still happen, but it'd have to be a hell of a. I, I th- I th- He'd probably have to take about fifteen wickets. <laughs> well, what's he on nine? He's on nine, so he's six behind I mean, the leader, you never and know, then five behind Stark and four behind Bolin. So you feel like if yeah. England are going to rip through, it's probably going to more be a uh, Jimmy Anderson or a Stuart Broad, who you would assume will both be playing. You would uh, hope so, but yeah. this is England, so. <laughs> So it's it's realistically it's Jimmy's last test in Australia. Yeah, it might well be Broad's. He might make another series, but it might well be Broad's last test in Australia as well. You've got to let them play. But well, I mean, it's not like you got anything to lose. Yeah, so. yeah. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, so never know. Not going to make any predictions because it's likely to be an Australian win. But hey ho, we will Indeed. see how they finish up and how our predictions come to pass. Yes. So last thing, uh, kind of on our agenda today, um, and I think it's actually quite an interesting discussion. There was a tweet from um, the PCB chairman, Ramiz Raja, um, today, yesterday, yesterday, I yesterday. Um, he has suggested basically that Pakistan, India, England, and Australia play a quad nation T20 series every year yep. uh, and host it on a rotational basis. Um, he's also suggesting that the revenue from this series isn't just split between these four nations, but is distributed out to the rest of the nations as well. Yep. Um, and another point to note is that the ICC said they've not had any notification of this, th- these thoughts at the moment. Um, yeah, it seems to be his tweet, his, this idea, whether it's come from him or it's you know from the PCB themselves, this just seems to be like, let's drop this tweet and see where it goes. Yeah. Um, as I suppose is the whole thing with Twitter now. Um, yeah, I think he does say in it, we're taking this to the ICC. It just hasn't said we've taken it. It yeah. says we are going to take it. Um, but it's maybe just... Uh, well, if we get a lot of public opinion when we take it to the IC behind it, when we take it to the ICC, well, you know, yeah. it strong strengthens our argument. It's um, kind of done your sort of market study. <laughs> yeah, well, you just put the pressure on them as well. Yeah. Um, I suppose the interesting thing about it is that you have the big three there. Yep. Um, now, wh- wh- the big three are not in India and then Australia and England. They're not necessarily on the pitch, the big three, in, in the Australia, and with the white ball England get to be as well. But yeah. So, maybe the big three is all about the power and the money and everything like that. It, I do find it quite interesting that it, it's being proposed by somebody not in the big three trying yes. to piggy themselves onto the... Now, I know there's no money benefit as such although well there will if you're ho- yeah i doubt the host isn't going to take money you know the game yep. tickets and all that i think it will be things like the tv rights and stuff that will get split so that's kind of an interesting one to start with it's like well you know you might have a new zealand or somebody turning around and going well hang on why are you in it which yeah. is part of the reason i don't think this will get through the icc probably the only way realistically for it to is because it's the money sharing is if they actually go this is a gold mine yeah i don't believe it is a gold mine um one of the things raj has come out and i can't remember if it was in that tweet or if it was a following tweet he said part of the reason he's suggesting it is because he feels that the cricket fan has become quite fatigued with international t20 cricket and he felt that this could sort of stoke the fire yeah I actually think, if anything, this just adds to the fatigue of T20 cricket. I'm not sure it actually it's going to reignite people's passion for T20 cricket. Yeah. There is clearly an issue with the amount of bilateral series that are played. Particularly white, white ball bilateral series. There's too many of them. Um, if this reduces the amount of them then yeah possibly i can see that argument 
What would concern me, though, is the impact that that has on the other nations. Yeah. Because, yes, you might be saying that, look, we're going to share this revenue with you guys, but you're taking away... If they, if these four nations then go, right, we're not playing in bilaterals because we've got this every year and we've got a T20 World Cup every second year, yeah, as is going to be the case. And then a World Cup and a, a Champions, Champions Trophy. Trophy, yeah. So you've got a white ball tournament every year and you've got this series to fit in. So you're probably not going to play a huge amount of, of white ball cricket out with them. Yeah, because it's going to have to move around in terms of dates as well, because obviously if everybody's hosting, yeah. the cricket season varies from place yes. to place. Yeah. Um, so what that's going to do is it's going to take the tours that these teams have away from the other nations. Yeah. And England, Australia and India touring is where these other nations make their money yeah. as well. So I think that it's it's a bit of yeah, you're you're robbing Peter to pay Paul a bit, aren't you? Yeah, I I don't I think as a core fundamental idea of let's try something different to try and I, I, I see that and I think that's fine. But I think actually once you start to go down into it, you're like, well it's kind of I think there are flaws there in it. As I say, what makes what are Pakistan supposedly bringing to the table that some other cricketing nations couldn't? Um, I'm actually of the opinion, a little bit over international T20 cricket, that outside of World Cups, it should almost just be binned. Um, I think there's... And my reason for saying that is I think that there are so many franchise tournaments out there now that... And the thing is, they are cash cows for the country. And that's part of the reason why there are so many, because that's bringing in revenue. So I'm not sure that the boards need the revenue from T20i cricket because they're probably getting it from franchise cricket. Yeah. And I just wonder, actually, would on an international stage, would be better going, right, well, what you're going to have is you're going to have T20... You're going to have all these franchise leagues around the world. You know, feel free, go off and play in them. We'll pick our best players based on domestic results and then you might have just a run-up to the world you know the world t20 um now what you're going to see is your smaller nations or your associates particularly your associate nations they're probably going to keep playing t20 cricket because they're not going to have people playing in the franchises and things like that and i think that's fine i'm not suggesting to get rid of that and i'm not saying that you can't even maybe have some of the lesser nations that sounds bad but you know i think everyone knows what i mean by saying that but your islands and yeah, yeah. that um, I, but I actually think we just need less T Twenty I cricket. I don't think anybody cares about it. Yeah, how about as a counter proposal then? So say you have this quad nation series as it is. Yeah. How about a football like UEFA have implemented the Nations League to sit out with their qualifying campaigns to basically get rid of international friendlies. Yep. T20 cricket has clearly got an issue where bilateral series just don't excite people anymore. Yep. How about you have these quad nation series, but they're basically like a ladder. Like so you Well, or you could even go all the way down, yeah. I suppose. And you just have it banded in four. So your top four, say it is these four, which think in the t20 rankings it is at the moment i think it i don't know 
Uh, yeah, because I think Australia winning took them up because they were quite mm. far down at one point. But yeah, I think they are. Now. I don't know where New Zealand are if they um, maybe. But anyway, roughly. So you see, top four in the rankings, and then you have five to eight. 9 to 12, so on and so forth, all the way down as your starting point. And then, like the Nations League, have promotion and relegation between them. Well, the thing is, this isn't actually an alien idea to, cr- to international cricket. In associate cricket, this is how it has worked for years mm. now. You know, you have the cricket league, whatever cricket league it is, and then it's generally been the top four have... St- well, in the top one, the top four have stayed up, the t- bottom two have gone down. Or have to re, or effectively have to like requalify. Yeah. Um, so it's not an alien idea. It's not an alien concept to international cricket. Maybe to full nations it is. Um, and I suppose that's where I could see it meeting resistance, is because the, the problem comes is it's like, well, where you know, if you're a West Indies, you know, a South Africa, these nations, it's like, well, hang on a minute, we're now all of a sudden not getting India, Australia, and England. Yeah, it feels a bit like uh, a European Super League type proposal, actually, when you step back, doesn't it? As it, football has seen. Yeah, it, it does a bit, but it feels like Newcastle United have proposed the European Super League <laughs> a little bit. Um, it's maybe a bit harsh on Pakistan, but, <laughs> you know, it, it like Leicester City coming along and proposing the European Super League, or, or something like that. Yeah. Man United. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. it's, yeah, it just, one, I just go, I don't get why Pakistan think that they are deserving to be the fourth nation, to be honest. Um, it's, because yes, they've probably got, I think out after India, they've got the biggest population, you can make the yeah. argument for, but, you know, I think there are other people who would have other arguments. Yeah, I think basically that fourth nation is going to be one of Pakistan, New Zealand and South Africa. Y- yeah, and I suppose probably bringing money to the table, probably Pakistan probably do bring more, would be able to bring more money to the table because, I mean, South African cricket struggles to sponsor its own stuff at the best yeah, of times. Yeah. And New Zealand just is a small nation. So, um, but yeah, there's that problem. It creates problems for other series around it. I just actually think it creates fixture congestion. Um, and I, as I say, my sort of, I, I like the idea of the sort of Nations League type thing. I just, again, wonder how practical. It, the big problem you've always got with like moving series is, as I say, it's, cricket seasons are different in different places. Yeah. So, you know, if England are going to host it, well, it has to take place between then and then. So you could have, like, if you say they're Group A or Group 1 or whatever, and then you've got Group 2, who, which has been held in Sri Lanka well that's a completely you know these but if it is just done annually then as long as it's completed between the 1st of January and the 31st of December when, what does it matter what time of the year well, potentially, these little ones happen potentially end up with some countries that don't play for like the best part of two years yeah you could but I mean I think that's if ultimately the bilateral series are going to disappear more, yeah, then that's the way it's going to go anyway. It's not an issue for the top ones because their guys are still playing in franchise leagues. The associate nations are still going to play each other out with it. Yeah. So I don't feel that that's a huge issue. Yeah, I mean, I think I would rather something like that than these sort of meaningless one or two games because we have still seen a lot of the time 
in these COVID times, it's the T20s that have dropped. Yeah. Because I think there is a slight acknowledgement of that there appears to be less meaning to them, to people. Um, but yeah, I just think we need less cricket. So I'm not in. I'm certainly not in favour of adding this tournament into the current schedule. Yeah. You have to restructure the entire schedule to bring this kind yeah, of thing. I up. think we're reaching a point with the current schedule anyway, where it that's going to happen at some point in the next few years. I think it is going to have to be torn up. Um, for it to to thrive, and I I guess the ICC's announcement of the tournaments, and the tournament structure for the next decade, twenty years, whatever it is they've announced. Um, yeah, because they've been the start of that. They binned that the white ball league thing that they were trying, or the one day league thing that they yeah, were trying the, to do, which um, would have relied on bilateral series. So yeah, I think they've maybe acknowledged that that they're not winning that battle. Yeah, um, because. The big three also are aware that they make the money, but they also want. They also turn around and go, "Yeah, but we also want the other ones of the big three to come and play here." So yeah, because that's, that's when they make the massive money. Yeah, that's um, when the test grounds sell out. So. Well, exactly. So, it's it on the surface of it, it's a decent enough idea. It's good to see that somebody, you know, certainly what I've seen from Rami's Raja in his time since taking over his chair, he he's obviously somebody who's thinking about how to grow the game. Um, and that's good to see, um, but I'm not sure this is the winner, to be honest. Yeah, I think there's something there that they can maybe grow on. Um, yeah, but it's probably going to end up with Pakistan not being guaranteed. What <laughs> <laughs> great idea, Ramesh. Uh, yeah, you're not involved, but that's <laughs> a nice idea. Yeah, cheers for the heads up. <laughs> as long as they just don't end up playing some stupid quad series in the UAE or something, because... Yeah cricket there is just dull as dishwater the pitches are dead and it's ditch just water dishwater ditch water ditch water dull as ditch water yeah what's ditch water <laughs> it's water in a ditch i thought it was dishwater no it's ditch I water i thought it was like when it went <laughs> well there we go today is a school day um i'm googling this it's ditch Andrew, water fill, fill time anyway right uh, i'm filling time by bringing this to an end because i think yeah we are dull as dishwater yeah that's it says here. That's it's wrong. It's wow. the, it's ditch water. Is the uh, originally it was in the in the seventeen hundreds. <laughs> it was Dilla's ditch water, but in the nineteen hundreds it changed to dish water. <laughs> Sorry that I am living, you know, just anyway. In on this half of on that note, I think that brings us to an end. Um, Sorry, please. if it's been Dilla's <laughs> ditch water. <laughs> <laughs> reach reach out to us on Twitter at DivDobPod. Um like and subscribe on the YouTube channel and on up your favoured up, up there, down there. Podcast channel. Uh, subscribe is here, I think. There's another video suggestion just over there. Uh probably, probably as I n- point at it. Probably not gonna be us. No, it will be. I'll point to another oh, excellent. Yeah, Enjoy. It, it goes to another one of our videos. So yeah. Um yeah, as I said, Twitter at DibDubPod, like, share, comment, subscribe, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and we will speak to you again next week for a review of the Ashes series. Absolutely. It's going to be brutal. Fasten up. The inner Bob Willis is coming out. <laughs> oh, bye. Bye. <laughs>